Again, Wilkinson in the place. Johnny Wilkinson, he's got it! Ella, Shimpeda, Bajero! Oh, you beauty! What a headshot! What a headshot! Hello and welcome to this week's The Two Pints with myself, Gaz. And me, Joe. And we're here after a bit of a, a bit of a uh, break, so I apologise for not being around for a couple of weeks. But we're here to discuss a bit of boxing, a bit of football, and even possibly a bit of Russians, uh, which is always exciting. Um, you can find us on The Two Pinter or at Two Pinter on uh, Facebook and on Twitter. And if you want to send us any questions or anything you want to uh, us to debate or... Or just comments, uh, please feel free. So, boxing, first place to start with. Uh, Anthony Joshua, um, two-time world champion now. Jano, Anthony Joshua, is he all that? Oh, he's back, isn't he, Gareth? Oh, he is back. You can hear me in the background. <laughs> he, he's returned. The heavyweight champion of the world is back at his rightful place. Um, yes, he is. Uh, he's back, Gareth. Um, delighted to see it, delighted. Um, so, yeah, so was, what, uh, what, what did he do that was so amazing then, Jono? He boxed. Um, he boxed. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let it play to the background. Uh, the cheers of the, of the fans of the, uh, yeah, no, the biggest draw in British boxing, but we, we can come back to that. Uh, you know, he boxed quite, sim quite simply. He was incredibly disciplined. Uh, he fought a very controlled and sensible fight. It wasn't the most exciting. I don't think it was, I think it'd be unfair to call it dull. Um... Uh, I think it was, yeah, a very. I say I was, I was impressed with it. It takes, um, takes some mental strength to do what he did, you know, just to sit at the end and not try and mix it up. And he's made his name and his career off, off knocking people out. You know, uh, he's, he's fought what is it, twenty, I think twenty-two people now, and he's, he's finished all but two of them. Mm. Um, so it's, it's generally what he does. But um, he, he basically didn't give Ruiz a, a sniff. Really, he just you know, he stuck him at the end of his jab, uh, dropped the occasional right hand down. I think he. He got a big boost in that first round when he busted him open with that right hand late on. Hmm. Um, and then, yeah, every time Ruiz looked to try and get inside and make it a bit rough and tumble, Joshua generally tied him up. Uh, the only times he didn't, I, I mean, I had Joshua winning 11 of the 12 rounds. I think the end of the fourth, I can see you could argue Ruiz the fourth because he got through a couple of shots at the end. But then I thought only that, the eighth? Was only the, the eighth was the only one I gave to Ruiz. He just... He offered nothing, and I thought his excuses afterwards are so weak. Um, just to, yeah. Just, um, I mean, not just that. His actual training, like coming in at twenty stone three. I know he came in big last time at work, but just. Um, well, he was fifteen pounds over what he came in last time. Uh, it's just pathetic, isn't it? And he mm. wasn't. He wasn't like last time. And last time he got it at short notice. You can see the excuse this time. He had months. Um, mm. You're, you know, you're heavyweight champion of the world. You had it all in front of you, and all right, he's made more money than he ever thought possible from these two fights, but. At the same time, you know, he, he gave Joshua problems last time. If he'd been a bit more agile and been able to move and, and had found it a bit easier slipping Joshua's jab, who knows? But yeah, so I thought he was fair. But no, yeah, I thought Joshua to come back from that kind of defeat, and it was a horrendous, horrendous defeat. To yeah, to, to get back to boxing, to go back to um, to what he sort of came through doing. I suppose he was, a, you know, he was an Olympic champion. You know, Olympic. He wasn't really like the power puncher we think of now during his Olympic run. He wasn't knocking people out. He just was using his size and his physique and his, his incredible athleticism, which he, um, yeah, he took advantage of his, natu of his natural gifts and he mm. aligned that with with a lighter frame that I think very much suited him in this round and it makes you makes you wonder where he goes moving forward now. But I think, yeah, Joshua shows kind of the heart and the, the traits of a champion that he took a terrible loss and he went away and worked harder and um, and got back what he what was his, whereas the Rick Ruiz, uh, you know, got to there uh, on a dream and then didn't really try and build on it. Mm. Uh so yeah, impressive AJ, uh, well impressed. Okay, now we've had all that hyperbole and all the uh, exaggeration <laughs> about how great uh, Anthony <laughs> here, here Joshua comes, is. Here, here comes the hater. <laughs> yeah. um, 
it's the cold hard facts as he beat he lost to Ruiz who's a boxer we should never have lost to Ruiz was what 10 to 10 to 1 against to uh, to beat Joshua the first time it, it, it drifted it drifted in the weeks but I think I remember being 12 to 1 or something like that 14 I saw. I think I saw 20 to 1 in the week it, it got bigger as the, uh, as the previews went on but definitely yeah probably 12, 14 to 1 something like that rank outsider yeah rank outsider and, and not someone who I mean he only had 6 weeks notice that probably helped with his, his odds uh, being so big but uh, also you've already talked about his size and his athleticism um, Joshua should never have lost to Ruiz that's the bottom line now Joshua has beaten Ruiz everyone's suddenly going Oh, what a man, what a hero, what a boxer. He's, he's only beaten the person who should have beaten six months ago, but he struggled well, he lost to. It's like um, it's like uh, Man City playing Port Vale in the next round of the FA Cup. They lose to Port Vale and everyone says, oh, you know, City are awful. But if Man City go and beat Port Vale the week after, uh, nobody goes, oh, City are back, they're back where they belong. It's uh, He's done what he should have done. 12 months on and arguably not that impressively you could you can say that it's impressive boxing in terms of he's been disciplined and he's managed to keep him at the end of his jab and he hasn't got too excited and, and knocked him out but um, it, it was if, he, if he'd done that performance six months ago nobody would have been calling it a masterclass nobody would have been calling it impressive uh, uh, yeah I mean I'll, I'll, I'll take issue with Paul Vale I think Andy Ruse is a bit better than Paul Vale he, uh, he'd only been beaten once <laughs> I think Andy Ruse would probably be more of a lower premiership side perhaps but, uh, Everton but oh, here he is, here he is. <laughs> kicking a team while they're down uh, as any good Liverpool fan does uh, <laughs> on the way back up on the way back up uh, um, but no your, your cold hard facts are not wrong um, he shouldn't have lost uh, but uh, you know there's it's finally been some talk this week and um and yeah, another thing, Joshua he didn't make any excuses uh, after the fight. He didn't you know? Didn't bitch and moan about this and that until this week. He, you know, the day after he finally said something about being a bit ill before the fight. He had some health problems, which everyone sort of said. But you know, now if you watch the second fight, you look at, um, you could sort of believe Joshua's explanation a bit more that he got hit with a punch he never really recovered from. Um, got, and you could but, sort of he got hit by four punches. He blames yeah, this, like I, this, this lucky punch or the punch from God. He said he didn't have. Um, he didn't have an excuse. His, his kind of excuse was that he suggested it was a lucky punch that, that caught him. Um, he called it the, the punch from the gods or punch of God or, or something along them lines. Punch from the punch from the gods, yeah, or punch from the heavens, maybe sound like that. He called it. But if if, if you did, if you are going along with that theory and uh, uh, yeah, take take all these agree, you can now having watched him recover. Like once he, you could say that he was sort of scrambled from there, and never really recovered, and. Um, that he was sort of fighting on instinct and you you know if you're a Joshua fan you say he showed quite a good heart to last a bit longer when he was clearly all over the place um, <laughs> and, the, and the fact that he came back from that to, to put Ruiz in his place shows that he, he could beat Ruiz and um, and that yeah that perhaps Ruiz did get a bit lucky with that punch and he did sort of Joshua did get a bit careless because you know it wasn't like he, he couldn't hurt Ruiz he put him down impressively and then just, just got wild coming in after it so you can mm-hmm. sort of find more of a reason now that he's beaten him and you can think okay um his heavyweight boxing, one punch can change everything. It did in this fight, um, although Joshua survived a bit longer. Uh, did he ever really recover from that punch? You know, we're, we're talking something we don't particularly know because we don't know how busted up he was. Um, but he, you know, he was obviously what acting weird in the ring afterwards, taking all the funny photos and stuff. Um, hmm. So yeah, you, you, you're not wrong. Cold off actually should have beat Ruiz before. Um, he has done now. Uh, I've got no interest in a third fight whatsoever. Um, but Joshua has shown that. He well, it's one all. Why don't you want it? Why don't you third? Surely you want Joshua to actually have beaten Ruiz straight out. Uh, he'd be beating comfortably straight out this time. Uh, like I say, to ten to or eleven no, rounds. I'd say, to... I'd say a knockout's uh, more comfortable than uh, than just jabbing for for twelve rounds. There's a few right hands too, uh, as Ruiz's face he showed afterwards. But uh, just yeah, I think I don't think it'd be much different. I think Joshua would probably just stop him late, and and Ruiz, the fact he couldn't train properly for. A, for a heavyweight title fight, I'm, I'm not particularly interested. Um, well, now he, now he's uh, not got the the, the belt. Uh, maybe his, his appetite's uh, more there, or he's going to do less quiz shows, or he's going to listen to his dad and come into the gym after, rather than leaving it like for the last three months or something. Um, he might, and um, I, I don't think Ruiz will. I think he'll learn from this and go on to boost his career. I don't think he gets Joshua. Maybe there will be a third, but I don't think it'll be for a long while. And I, I'm not interested in it next. I don't think I'll really see him three times in a row. Hmm. Um, but yeah, Drees is no muggy. Showed that he obviously won the great wins, and he's he set himself and his you know next couple of generations of his family up, uh, all being well. 
although he sounded like he was spending plenty after that, but, but fair play <laughs> to him. But um, yeah, so I suppose well, where, where, what do you think for Joshua now? Where, where would you like to see him go from here? Well, the next thing we're going to get is the next uh, 12 months of Joshua giving it talk or her and giving it talk about how Joshua should be fighting this, this and that and uh, nothing ever happening uh, while the other two main players will fight each other um, and possibly fight each other for a third time before they eventually turn their, their, um, their attention to Joshua. That's, my, that's what I think. So where Joshua goes, uh, well, depends whether... Now White has been cleared of everything. He's, White's going to have a... Apparently, a shot at the title is he? Is he going to fight? Depends uh, whether White turns it down again. But is White going to fight Joshua? Um, yeah. Other than that, uh, don't know where he does go. He's, he's got. To, he's got to fight one of the big two, hasn't he? But I, I, I wonder whether they'll keep him at arm's length for a bit longer. Which uh, I think. What? Well, well, yeah. I mean, obviously they're due to fight in the end of February, aren't they? Uh, mm. Supposedly signed. Uh, it's supposed to be signed for a while, but you know, uh, it sounds like it's happening. I thought February seemed a bit quick from when they both last fought, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. It sounds like it's on anyway. Uh, if, mm. it's, if it's not the end of February, um, well, I, th- I think they were hanging back for this weekend because if if Joshua had lost again, then uh, that fight was probably been off in February, wouldn't it? Yeah, Wilder would have uh, been all over a raise like a rash, wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, suddenly, he'd have been, been very keen to unify those uh, titles. And uh, yeah, you uh, you like to blame Joshua and Hearn for avoiding Wilder. I, I think it's a bit more of both. And, uh, I think oh, no, no I, chance. I agree. Yeah, I think it is. But I always blame um, blame Joshua a bit more because uh, that, that's the fun in, in kind of winding you up, really. But, uh, but but no, I think it's definitely it is definitely both. But 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 equally. You know, in any both, we trust Gareth. <laughs> you know, no, far from it. But equally, you know, both have got to take responsibility for the fact. There's no point just pointing the finger at the other side. Both have got to take responsibility for the fact that the fight hasn't happened. It isn't just one camp. No, and it was the um, you know they broke record, didn't they? The, it was the longest two champions in the same division had gone without fighting each other, mm. um, which is astounding, really. Uh, but in terms of both being champions for such a long period. Um, and I think that's still the big one we'd like to see. Uh, uh, yeah, w- w- you know, uh, depending on Wilder Fury, I think Wilder, Wilder Joshua, uh, not Wilder, uh, Joshua Fury will probably be interested at any time. And I think if, you know, Fury lost to Wilder and then went away and uh, did some more of his sort of fights in between, uh, Joshua, uh, you know, he could still fight Joshua in the UK and it'd still be probably the biggest UK fight ever. Mm-hmm. Um because you know he'd only lost once, then wouldn't he? Fury, you know, probably should have. But he should have a win for against Wilder. But uh, but I think AJ's probably going to have some time tied up with his mandatories now. It sounds like they're going to come calling. Usyk. Usyk has apparently already called it, and Pulev I think could probably be the next fight, won't he? Because the IBF have been waiting on that a while, and it was meant to happen a, a year or two, about a year, eighteen months back. That fight wasn't it? And Pulev pulled out injured. Yeah. Um, that was when I think Takam came September in. September time, wasn't it? So when Takam to- came in. Um, it was a while back now. I think it was when Takam filled in, and it ended up being a decent. Oh, yeah, it might have been and, a bit longer than that. Yeah. Um, and so I think he probably goes Pulev next, and I don't, I don't mind him taking a mandatory. Uh, you know, this doesn't. He's not going to fight Wilder or, jo- or Fury next. They're fighting each other, is he? Uh, why? Uh, yeah, I'd like to. I'd, I'd still. I'd enjoy the rematch of that fight. Um, I, went, I went to the first one. It was a great fight, and. I think White's improved a lot since, but you you wonder with the if if uh, Pulev and Usyk are called on, then I think he'll probably focus on them rather than White and say he gave White a ch- chance mm-hmm. last year he didn't want. Uh, I mean Usyk, I don't I love that fight, but I don't love it yet. I think that one could build a bit more. I'd like to see Usyk build himself a bit more in the heavyweight division over a couple of fights. He's supposedly being lined up for Del Boy, isn't he? Which would be good mm-hmm. fun. I think um, I think he'll um, yeah. Uh, slowly wear Del Boy down and outbox him over a set of rounds but Del Boy will obviously come to throw some lever on him and see if Usyk can handle the challenge mm. so yeah I mean ideally I'd, I'd probably watch Pulev and then win a Wilder Fury end of next year and then maybe Usyk after that but I think in reality it will probably be Pulev Usyk and then we'll see on Wilder Fury um, but yeah we we had uh, we waited too long We've, you know one of them lost Joshua lost his his own um, which is a shame. It would have been lovely to see him a while to go up uh, undefeated against each other. But yeah, now they've got it's got it's got to be on, hasn't it? And uh, yeah, Wilder didn't look good against Ortiz until he looked very good. Um, and it is always exciting with that kind of power. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Joshua showing the going back to boxing that we haven't seen loads from him of in his career. Um, 
Yeah, I, mean, I think if Fury does what he did on Saturday, everyone will be hooting and hollering about Fury and how amazing a boxer he is. But when Joshua does it, it gets called disappointing because we've been, I think, been spoiled by him and how easily he's been sort of mowed through people and how quickly he got to the top. Mm. Uh, so. Yeah, well, that, I, I still don't buy that if he'd done that in the first fight, that um, everyone would have, even, even the Ireland fans like yourself, would have been saying it was impressive. I think before that fight, we were saying that it needed to be. Joshua needed to beat uh, Ruiz in like three rounds before the first fight. Joshua needed to beat him in like three or four rounds to to make it as impressive as uh, Fury had just. No, no, Wilder had just knocked out um, Brazil. Brazil. Um, and I think that's probably probably part of what Joshua, if you you know how he waited and after he put Ruiz down, he, he did come in wild, and I think perhaps that talk got to him. And he did. He was listening a bit too much to all the talk around what's happening wilder and what what's not and he, he's learned his lesson there and I guess you know he's oh, and you, he's still you, come... you can't say he's learned his lesson yet he's, he's had one fight where he, he's okay I suppose he's stuck to what is he used to be good at um, or his strengths perhaps and been disciplined but yeah I, th- I think it's too easy too easy to say he's learned his lesson yet he's still got to fight in America as well hasn't he um, or does he just avoid America now like the plague He's he's Britain's biggest biggest draw by by country mile, um, mm-hmm. and he's got if he keeps the belts, he's got plenty of leverage with them. I don't think he has to go to America to fight Wilder, um, and I think if he's got three belts and he's uh, he can fill out a ninety thousand stadium as he has routinely. And, um, yeah, but it's not necessarily about about filling the stadium. I mean, he would and fair play to him, but his legacy uh, or his worldwide legacy um, is certainly tainted. And uh, does he need to? build a bit of a following in America before he can kind of yeah become one of the greats uh, I think if he beats Wilder wherever he, he, he becomes one of the greats over there doesn't he I think that that I think this Joshua experience though it hasn't gone how he'd have planned it it probably has brought his name up in America just by association of being the bloke who got knocked out by the fat guy um, mm. so it, and, I, and I think you know that was um, you know I heard a fair bit of chatter uh, you know on the American podcast I listened to before this fight so I think he's, he's probably built a name somewhat but um, I, I imagine he'll come back to home now he's been away two fights hasn't he which is, is long and, and one went terribly and one went very well uh, yeah I think they're talking about Spurs Stadium aren't they for the next one I think yeah, yeah. I think there's no need obviously there's no need to there's no real value to going to fight Pulev out in America, is there? Um, no. no. Usyk maybe a bit more of an argument, but yeah, I think Joshua um, is back to calling a lot, a lot of the shots now. Not all of them, um, but I think he, he's got he's got the belts. He's he's huge. He's a huge name. He is you know free free belt world champion. Um, yeah, that's uh, you know he, he can he can offer a huge sum of money to get some over here, conquer America. Uh, I think they got a bit too much focus on it last time. If you go over there, if you find the right fight, but beyond Wilder over there, I don't think there's a an American that makes huge sense for him. And then so it's, it's tough to to see who you match up with, really, because there's not that that many big American names out there at the minute, which mm. makes you wonder where where where's he go with that, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it's yeah, you know, all the fights beyond Wilder, Fury, Wyatt, Usyk. They're, they're just as big in England as they are over here. Uh, if not bigger than they are in America. Yeah, uh, well, you, you say that you say that fight beyond Wilder. I think uh, Fury beats Wilder anyway in February. So, um, whether yeah, true. I mean, we'll obviously preview that there. I think Wilder shows him less respect this time and, and probably goes after him a bit more. Uh, whether Fury can dance well, away, but then I think Fury should have won the first one. Don't get me wrong, but I wonder if Wilder comes in with a bit. He, he was quite cautious, I thought, uh, for a lot of the fight, and I wonder if he, he goes after Fury a bit more, and whether Fury can can keep uh, making him miss. Yeah, but you, th- you think that Fury—that was his first proper fight, wasn't it? Apart from the um, the two uh, two barmen that he fought beforehand um, at the time, and, it, and I think the thing is, Wilder relies on that punch and what a punch it is. Um, but if that punch didn't, the only person that punch hasn't worked against is Fury uh, and if, he, if he's worried that that punch isn't going to work again um, I don't know does that, that probably plays on his mind a bit does it yeah essentially I mean, it wasn't far away from working wasn't it it took, um, took a it seemed like divine intervention didn't it to bring him back from the dead um, but uh, but yeah I mean, Fury's obviously very scared. he hasn't fought a lot since has he Fury he um, He's he's gone the opposite way. Joshua hasn't he? Not uh, huge in America, but perhaps not as big over here. But um, Americans seem to absolutely love him. Mm. Um, he's had a couple of uh, one keep warm fight and then one fight that turned out to be a bit harder than he probably imagined uh, against uh, 
Otto Wallin when he, he got the huge cut. Mm. Uh, yeah, if, if, if Fury's in his right mind and, and physical state and he, um, he's taking it serious, obviously you're right in terms of uh, he, you know, he, he'll be, he should be fresher and, and more mentally on. Um, uh, yeah, I just wonder if uh, if Wilder goes, yeah, gets a bit more aggressive with it and, and, and how Fury controls that, really. Mm. Um, but it will, yeah, uh, very exciting watching them two. It'll be very exciting watching them two go at it. It'll be, yeah, but yeah, it'll be great. And then hopefully the winner fights fights uh, Joshua. Um, but yeah, it's obviously a lot of moving parts. There's so many egos involved, uh, not just from the fighters, but from terms of the fighters, the TV networks, they're all different ones. There's a lot of hurdles to overcome, but you just got to hope that eventually there's, there's so much money in those fights that let's make them happen. Uh, but yeah, nice to nice to see that Joshua's career isn't isn't over as it perhaps would have been if he'd have lost that. And <laughs> in terms of serious in terms of serious heavyweight championships, and um, yeah, Mate, onwards and upwards for him, hopefully. Yeah, well, he's now two-time world champion. Um, <laughs> why, why that's a big such a proud thing when it means that he's he lost. Uh, Lost against a poorer boxer, I don't know, but but now he's two-time world champion. Let him let him keep that title. It's, um, it's not been done by loads of but loads of heavyweights, has it? I think Ali was the first to do it, and then he he did it three times in the end. You know, so mm. you, you'll say that you know you look down, not many heavyweights, or barely any other than Rocky Marciano retire undefeated today. So you, you mm. do lose fights to the heavyweight, and if you can come back, yeah, Lewis did it twice as well, didn't he? Um, yeah, but uh, uh, did any of them lose to a to a fighter that they should? Definitely not a lot lost to. Uh, yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd say Lewis wouldn't have lost to Hassim Rightman, would you? You'd say Ali shouldn't have lost to, to Leon Spinks. Um, mm. You know, Ty, Tyson losing to Buster Douglas was, you know, a, a far bigger shock than, um, yeah, than Josh, Josh, Joshua, if you go about the thing. So, you know, heavyweights are hard um, to judge, but yeah, I suppose in this, in the, and, you know, we've been spoiled the last few years, and, and the Wilder, Fury, and Joshua had all been undefeated for a period. Mm. Um, and it could be down from uh, from three to to one uh, within within about six months, but it'll be over six months uh, soon enough, won't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless we have, unless we have another draw, uh, I wonder if the uh, the market will be a bit 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 less good odds than it was last time for another <laughs> draw, uh, Wilder Fury. Yeah. Um, okay, moving away from boxing, we'll talk about football uh, from the weekend, Jono. Well, not necessarily. Well, we'll touch on the football from the weekend, but it's more. Um, we're going to talk about round managerial appointments. Um, it's bore out of a, uh, a conversation I was having with a, an Everton fan uh, over the weekend, and uh, I'm discussing the merits of uh, Duncan Ferguson. Uh, what what a manager uh, comes in <laughs> a team that had, um, had been well had been poor at best uh, comes in and defeats Chelsea three one at home and. Buzzing around the place, and uh, <laughs> yeah, looks like uh, all the fans are back in, in uh, yeah, good voice, and there's a real buzz around band Everton again. Um, and yeah, I suppose from their point of view, long may that continue. But it got it got us thinking. So we've got Duncan Ferguson uh, coming in as an ex-player and giving the team a bit of a, a a bit of a lift, a bit of a bounce. There's other managers in the uh, Premier League who've got ex-players playing for, uh, ex-players managing them. Um, some more successful than others. Uh, we'll probably just do a run through them. Just but when I come to the question bit, is uh, is it worth persevering with the ex-player and seeing how that goes rather than uh, looking straight for a replacement straight away? So the the other teams that have got managers, obviously we've got uh, Lampard at Chelsea, uh, Solskjaer at United, Lundberg now at Arsenal, um, Eddie Howe at Bournemouth. Wilder at Sheffield, I think, wasn't he? Wilder at uh, Sheffield, that's right. Um, I think that was it. So yeah, yeah. We... what's your thoughts? Uh, obviously, there's some impressive names in there. Done some very good jobs. Um, <laughs> Big Dunk, uh, yeah, it was a very impressive performance. They did seem to do the classical, uh, you know, team with under new manager, and he gets them fired up, and they came out and they funded into tackles, and there was a stat about how many more tackles they made, wasn't there, flying around? Um, Thirty-seven, I think. Yeah, um, you know, they were first to every ball, and a first to every second ball, and, uh, and it's a very impressive win. Uh, but I'm, I'm reluctant to tell Everton they should go, get Big Dunk in for me. Um, he's been a long time on their coaching staff and uh, you know, Everton fans I, I speak to would tell you that they've been having attacking problems that haven't really improved for years and he was, you know, they're meant to be helping with their forward line for, for years and it hasn't really improved and I, hmm. I kind of feel that um, 
that that trick he, he spun at the weekend, uh, you know, he, he, he's obviously uh, Duncan Ferguson. He's a, an incredibly scary individual, isn't he, Gareth? Who I <laughs> yes. with, but, um, but I wonder how long that can go on for, and if he's got more to his game than that. You know, um, it, I mean, even if he had a career like Graham Souness as a manager, he'd be delighted. I'm sure Duncan Ferguson, but even someone like Souness, who he didn't have a bad managerial career, mm. uh, managed both our clubs. Mm. But you know that kind of uh, being the hard ex player thing wore off generally quite quickly at the clubs he was at, and I just think if Duncan hasn't really improved their team uh, attack before in what he was meant to do, uh, will suddenly give him the bigger job with more responsibility? Will he be able to improve that long term after a couple of his thundering team talks kind of get old on players? Um, I'm not convinced, and I'm not that I've got a great name for you. Instead, I saw Ancelotti was linked this morning, which I think could be a big coup for Everton. Um, at the same time, he's, he's quite a laid-back chap, isn't he? I think Everton might need um, someone a bit more go forward about, and I don't necessarily mean in a scary Duncan Ferguson way. But but no, but no um, I think I think sorry to cut across, but I think that's what you, you touched on there. Everton have gone through what, four managers, five managers since Moyes. Um, they have, yep. And the uh, apart from one season with Martinez when he when he first came, and they got up to fifth, I think. Um, he's uh, they've. You know, it always used to be an adage against Everton that they didn't have the money, and you know Moyes used to manage it really well under a, under shoestring budget. Um, but these last last three or four years, they have had they have spent big and they have had big budgets, and they've um, you know been t- been able to attract players who um, perhaps they previously hadn't. And they've got some they've got a, got some really good players in, in their uh, in their squad. Um, they've had good managers. Um, I suppose you. <laughs> Everton fans might argue with each manager that's come in that hasn't been hasn't been that good or but at least they've offered different something a little bit different tactically and um, brought in some new fresh ideas. Um, all the managers that came in were apart from perhaps Sam Allardyce, but he came up with a he came in with a exact um, plan, wasn't it? Just to just to escape relegation, and that's you know if he did that well, fine. But uh, the other managers at least came up with some ideas about playing football in uh, not so much of a direct way as uh, Big Sam perhaps and. Uh, you know they've got the stadium that's on the horizon uh, meant to be, well, it'll be, look really nice on the uh, Liverpool horizon. But what I mean is, it'll uh, when it comes in, that's going to be a, a big, big um, opportunity for them to grow revenue. Uh, they've got a, an owner that seems to be backing uh, the owners, but um, backing the managers. Uh, they've got a fan base there who are ready to, you know, a, a passionate fan base and some of the some of the best fans in the league. Um, do they need? Is the one thing that's been lacking over the last three or four seasons is that bite and is that um, desire to play for the club? And have they lost some of that heart that perhaps Moyes used to bring in? Um, Big Dunk has been there, and been behind the scenes all that time. But is it is it some sort of leadership they need from the front? And yeah, okay, you're right. It, it's uh, there's only so far leadership can take you or um, scariness can take you. Uh, but why not? Give it to Big Dunk on a, you know, tell him, give him the confidence and say, look, you've got it to, they're not going to go down, are they? And they're probably not going to do anything else because of the, the bad season they've had. But they've got the FA Cup game against Liverpool, um, first round of the FA Cup at the start of January. I, I bet your bottom dollar that uh, most Everton fans will bite your hand off for having Dunk as manager of, of that game, um, even if he just, you know, he was just parachuting in for one game. But why not give him to that game? Uh, give him an opportunity over Christmas to. See what he can do with the players. He's got uh, some tough fixtures coming up, so it wouldn't be easy. And any manager that comes in is probably going to struggle against the um, the team that they're going to be playing over the Christmas period. Just think, what, what's there to lose, really? Um, what's there to lose? I suppose the opportunity cost to get the right man in and him start and get his ideas and that get them on their way. But uh, but I do very much but, take your point on on the the idea that. They've tried lots of different managers, and they've tried some good ones. You're not wrong mm. there. Um, which you could say means they more need the manager who's a bit more passionate. But I just they look like a club with structural problems that start beyond the manager, don't they? Just the the whole Steve Walsh thing. Um, yeah, but he, genius. but he came in with well, a good reputation, and he was he's the one that apparently sought out the talent for Leicester. You know, it, it wasn't. It's perhaps something wrong with the structure, but I think the personnel they brought in throughout has been they've been good. Good people for the for the or good people for the jobs. It was a bit of a coup when they got um, Steve Walsh. It was, but it, it didn't work. And then it, and you, the suppliers he signed didn't really seem to suit the club. And then you think, what what does that say? Does that mean Steve Walsh is shit, or does that mean that the the club just seemed to lurch from 
manager who might sort it out to then they try and get some recruitment guidance sort out to then try and get a different manager to sort it out. It just seems they kind of lurch from strategy to strategy without ever staying too long on one. Mm. And I don't, not, and I, I suppose I, don't, I haven't had the sense at Everton for a while that they've had a coherent plan in what they want to try and do. It's not, it's you know, it's not a director of football with a manager reporting to him. It's not a recruitment guy who hates a manager. It just they don't seem to work together too well you've obviously had the, the transition from Ken Wright who was in, incredibly stable there but didn't always have the money to back it up and mm. then to Mashiri who has certainly put his money where his mouth is uh, not that he's, he's mouthy particularly but he, you know, he said about wanting to make Everton um, you know, take him to places and, he, and he's put money up but mm. you know, each each if you look at their squad there's, some, there's a lot of talent there and there's been a lot of mm. talent that's come through but it's never been uh Kind of bought at the same time. Yeah, obviously you had the, the obvious one be a couple of seasons back when they seemed to buy about four number tens in the same summer. Yeah. Um, and then they've just, you know, they've never really solved the striker issue since Lukaku went. Um, and he's not, <laughs> he's probably at his best at Everton. Um, various different attempts at that from expensive players to cheap players to, you know, like the Spanish lad who's, and you just got, you know, they, they're a club who, who does spend, they give out good wages too. But yeah, I, I guess my sense is that it's bigger than a manager. They, they don't have a, a coherent strategy, I think, what they're building towards or how they want to play or how they want the club to run, what they're aiming for, where they want to finish. And and maybe, and, and in that, what you said about Big Dunk, maybe having someone with a bit of bite who would uh, perhaps uh, kick back at an idea that you didn't like a bit more, maybe that, that would help them. But, um, but it, I just suppose I worry about his coaching jobs within that, really. Yeah, but, and I suppose that's that's kind of, that's to be tested, isn't it, his, his coaching ability. Um, but... He's got a, if anyone's got a coherent plan about, or who, who anyone's got an idea about the identity that uh, Everton should have, and uh, you know he's been there through all these four or five managers that have come in since, and um, well, yeah, I think if 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 not, then what's going to stop the next manager suffering the same issues that um, Martinez, Coleman, um, and now Silva have all suffered? You know, if, if you bring in Ancelotti, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Ancelotti would come, but if you bring in Ancelotti. Um, What's what's he going to do? Why isn't he going to face the same issues? Yeah, good question. I, I suppose you, if you're an Everton fan, I do. You think once you get a, a manager of a certain quality, maybe that stuff pushes to the background. Uh, you know, perhaps um, a, a manager. Yeah. I, I really like Ancelotti, and obviously, I think he's. I, I think he's got a superb record. But I think in terms of Everton, they probably he's the manager who goes with the flow a bit more and seems to be able to get players paying for him in kind of and just he doesn't really seem to upset the apple cart um, not I think I'll say Mashiri is the, the most uh, hard on them but I just think yeah Ancelotti generally seems to be quite a good, good man manager who mm. manages manages egos uh, both below and above him very well so I, I don't know if Everton need a bit more of a kick up the backside but I, I guess if it was Ancelotti you'd think he's got such a good record such a good manager you know he's got the respect of what he did as a player um, and I know I know Ferguson's obviously got Everton but Ancelotti was a was a European Cup winner a couple of times, I think, mm-hmm. uh, with, with Milan, wasn't he? And there's been a multiple Champions League winner with different clubs. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, 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 you'd think, I suppose, I guess you think at some point a manager of a certain class, that, you know, supersedes, uh, can can help can help get over a structure. And I think, you know, they might they might they might be able to work something around a manager who's that good who can try and help and build on that journey. But, um, but yeah, we're talking. That's a real dream stuff for Everton, whether Ancelotti would come, isn't it, or not, and mm. um, and whether he'd be able to, whether he, uh, you know, he's he's probably not done, he's not been bad in Napoli, but you know they obviously sacked him and replaced him with Gattuso, which I'm not sure is a great appointment for Napoli, <laughs> so, but but, yeah. um, but but yeah, I'm no expert on Napoli football club, so I'll I'll, I'll say I'll, I won't go we won't go too deep into who Napoli should have as an ex manager or, or the structure around Napoli. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't I don't. Um, I'll take your point. I think it's it's a valid one that you know why not give Dunk a go. I just wonder if um, if they could find a manager of, of exceeding quality. And there's not many out there. Whether a Pochettino would come to them, I think's probably doubtful. I think he waits. You know, Allegri or someone. You know, Ancelotti. These are these are big big names. You might look, well mm. look at Everton and think there's there's still a lot that they need to do there. There's still uh, there are good players and, and a, a passionate fan base as you say. But there's there's also a, a lot probably that they want to work on in terms of spending and. Um, how, and, on board Mashiri, how on board is Mashiri with that really after spending all he has yeah and, and which, whichever if it's the, one of the, the top class managers that you, you, you're mentioning you know that are they going to come in and wait for another season for Champions League football um, Everton aren't going to get it this season are they and 
Uh, I saw maybe there'll be one that if Chelsea did a, did really drop off then potentially but, um, but yeah they're not going to get Champions League football this season uh, and then it's that, that's where you, that's where the top class managers will be looking isn't it to get to be playing in the Champions League uh, to managing a team in the Champions League um, and the, the other thing is between now and I said the 4th of January or whatever it is the uh, no, 6th of January I think the uh, the cup game um, there's going to be no time on the training, training grounds there's no, so whoever comes in isn't going to be implementing ideas or if they are it's going to be it's going to be half-baked ideas it's not going to be uh, it's going to be a heavy load of fixtures now week after week they're still in the um, the League Cup they've got Leicester I think in the League Cup um, yeah I, I, obviously Liverpool fan so but this is without uh, my Liverpool hat on I, I, I just think um, I think give, give Dunker Option. I, I take the point on Ancelotti being a cut above the rest, and maybe you you protest Ancelotti, and if Ancelotti says no, uh, or someone of that ilk says no, then yeah, don't go for don't go for a, another um, up and coming manager. Just just give it to Big Dunk. <laughs> yeah, no, I think up and coming uh, would probably be what Everton fans fear, really, wouldn't it? Because they had Martinez, mm. they had Coman, they had Silva. They've had a few of their managers who look like they're doing. Um, maybe silver less so, but managers who thought it looked like done half decent jobs at the club, and then Evan. Um, and those, know, are, those other managers have gone on to, you know, be big, good managers for uh, countries. But both uh, Coman and uh, and uh, Martin are doing well with their respective uh, teams. Yeah, I, I suppose Everton. Um, I, I don't think they are. I don't think they've done say what Newcastle did. Um, certainly for a few seasons when they sort of. Almost market themselves as a as a um, you know a club that was going to boost your career and you could move on from. I don't think Everton. I think Everton see themselves as bigger than that, and I think fairly. Mm. But you you just worry that have they will they become like a club who um, who players and, and perhaps managers sort of see stepping stone is that Martinez and Coman did is in it. You don't. Um, they've had you know a lot of managerial change the last few seasons. They don't want to become a club that um, becomes almost like a stepping stone for managers uh, and. Within that, obviously, if they found the right one, um, that would work well in, in mm. like what Moyes did. But uh, it just seems they've found a lot of ones who, whose ambition um, is, is, is probably been as important to them, to the manager himself, as it has been to improving Everton. It doesn't seem to have quite worked. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think Everton fans are keen on another up and coming manager. And uh, it's you know, but it's risky for them. It's, it's difficult for them because getting a, a, a real high class name is um, is a tall task for, for a club with um, where they are in the Premiership at the moment and like you say without a prospect of Europe in, in terms of Champions League for you know some time yet in all likelihood mm, yeah no that's fair enough um, but good luck Blue Boys so I'd like to see it all turn around and um, yeah give um, get, get the other side of uh, Merseyside shouting again because I'm sick of hearing your boys shouting about it Gary it's horrifying time <laughs> horrifying time um, perhaps that took a lot longer than I thought because we've, we've, already, we've already stayed on Everton and we had about another six other, other club managers to discuss so uh, maybe we'll, we'll throw that question in for next week and if anyone wants to give us any views on it before we, uh, before we launch into next week about, um, about the, the club legends returning and what the, uh, the, the good, good points of that and the bad points of that and whether it works uh, we'll see um, yeah and by then we might have <laughs> half of them might have been gone anyway David might have a new manager, but then maybe we can ask on to Gareth. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, then finally we're going to touch on the uh, the Russians, Jano. What's been going on in Russia? Those sneaky fucking Russians, Gareth. <laughs> as, uh, <laughs> as it's been proved, uh, yes, the uh, well, it sounded like the Russians had been banned from uh, all international athletics competitions by VADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency, which I fought for the next four years for the next two big. Um, the next Olympics and uh, the next World Championships, which sounded obviously like a pretty severe punishment. They were, if you remember, banned from uh, the 2018 Winter Olympics, which was, mm. was quite, um, yeah, it was quite, a, you know, a big event really. Um, in, in terms of, uh, you, it felt like someone was finally standing up to what appears to have been a pretty systematic um, and sy- systemic, really, uh, campaign from. Uh, the Russian government and beyond of just you know getting their athletes uh, filled up to the eyeballs with uh, good gear. Mm. Um, the Duchess, uh, I think they call it. That was the, the uh, that was the code name for it. Apparently, the Duchess. Ah, uh, did you say that? Yeah, the uh, just yeah, um, and you know, harkening back to the days of the, the East Germans when they used to compete and um, 
uh, the, the long rumoured yeah that some of the Chinese athletes were, were doping um, back in the seventies, eighties sorts of times as well. And you know, there's still some couple of world records around from I think like the four hundred metres uh, women's hurdles were record has, has been uh, there since I think the mid eighties, and no one's got close to it since. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, you know, yeah, it, it seemed a very uh, sh- strong stance, and I've applauded Wilder. When you look into it, though, it's not quite as harsh it first appears. They are banned, mm. it seems, from those... Um, Russia is a nation of banned, but the athletes themselves can still get in as independent um, athletes, potentially, as long as they have proved that they haven't been on drugs. Mm. Um, which which is fair in a sense that it... Um, you know, allows those athletes who, who weren't part of the regime, who have competed fairly, in a, you know, are fighting for their dreams and, and for their moment, you know, in the sun. Um, but at the same time, you worry about that becoming, a, you know, this is obviously a highly political issue. Russia, uh, the government, have been very strong in denying it, um, which seems like bollocks. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> then you worry some of these people who are going to become, you know, a bit uh, almost like political pawns in the system, really, they're going to start. Um, you know, will they unveil a Russian flag when they win? Um, you know, they'd have every right to, I suppose, as an athlete. But what does that mean? Is it going to be seen as a symbol of Russia saying "f you" to the world uh, athletics thing? And then, furthermore, um, they're not—they're actually banned from European competition, so they can still compete in some things. And uh, obviously, if their athletes, are, you know, it's a huge country, and their athletes, are, some who've been, um, some who may have gone clean from being, you know, being dirty previously, that you know, the benefits of. The studies show the benefits of the likes of steroids and other drugs can can keep with you for many years. Mm. Um, so, you know, then will they go and sort of dominate a, a European championship and say this is what we could have done if you'd let us in the Olympics? Blah blah. It, it becomes very very messy, and it seems that they've, they've we could have done a harsh sentence on them, which would have sent a clearer message. It's still quite a harsh sentence, and it's nice that they've not cowed to the Russians as I thought they might do. But mm. I'm not sure why they've added a few caveats in there really and I think it should have unfortunately been a blanket ban that would have cost a few clean athletes um, chances and that would have been pretty sad for them but I think overall the, the harsher punishment needs to be sent and uh, um, you know Russia as we said it's not new they did it just a couple of years back at the um, no last year I think it wasn't it 2018 the Sochi Games mm. um, they did it only last year so these are you know this is repeat offences now it's, mm. it's clearly it's clearly bigger than a couple of dodgy athletes Um well, it's an ep- it epidemic within the uh, the Russian government, isn't it, or the Russian uh, author- uh, Olympic authority, um, athletic authorities? Uh, yeah, I think I, I think you're right. If it had been a blanket ban, yeah, you're going to feel sorry for the individual athlete if he didn't cheat or he or she didn't cheat. Um, but then maybe that forces that individual or those individuals to turn on their own government, uh, maybe start suing their own government, maybe try and. Um, and cause a bit of an uproar whereas at the moment it's just a bit of a well is a slap on the wrists is a different flag um, but you can unveil our flag afterwards um, we'll, we'll serve our time and we'll, we'll do it again in four years time yeah uh, I said Sochi Olympics well, Sochi was on before it was a Peel and Chang Winter Olympics they got banned from but yeah I just um, I, I, you know how do we it's not an easy thing to control how do we stop them doing it um, mm. and it, you know it's good that they the testers managed to get in there and have a look at it and um, and get in there and, and get a ban in force, but um, it's not changed things. And how do you change things? I think the only way uh, is to really get harsh. You know, the remember the Olympics back in the eighties. I have to say we remember. <laughs> I, I've read about the Olympics back in the eighties um, when they were banned. Um, and or, yeah, when they didn't, you know, they people didn't turn up for their the nineteen eighty Moscow Olympics. The Americans and a few other countries dropped out, didn't they? And then. Hmm. Russians, uh, I think, did similar four years later. Um, at the sort of the height of the Cold War, was one of the heights of the Cold War. Um, you know, things did change there in terms of societal uh, and how Russia approached things. And now, uh, under a, a very uh, st- uh, strong, or you might say, authoritarian government, they're now under. Uh, it seems to be their mentality is win at all costs, whether that's uh, legal or illegal, mm. uh, for the for the rules or against the rules, and. You know, if that's the mentality, meeting it with sort of uh, trying to include them and trying to not, you know, meet your head on, I think just means they'll they'll take the piss more. Uh, and they've shown that already by getting, by carrying on doping even after the the, the uh, Winter Olympics ban and trying to trying to give them more chance. I don't think it's going to be helpful. So uh, I think they need to get harder. I think uh, you know the likes of Co was very strong when he first came in on this, and I think he's gone very quiet and been 
fairly fudgy on it for the last couple of years, and I think he's been weak on it. He's, you know, he's head of the World Athletics Association, um, yeah. and yeah, and I think Varda, um, a bit like they did with cycling, really, kind of led from the front on it, and the the authorities in the actual sport found it difficult to follow them that, and it you know it took a long while for the you know the um, the well, Travis Tiger didn't he led on the uh, on the Armstrong investigation and getting him out of the sport in cycling. And I think uh, it took cycling a long while to catch up, and I still still think they struggle with that. And I uh, I think athletics is the uh, same. And I know no sport wants to see itself as, as dirty and, and you know question everything about what we've seen on the on the track. But uh, that's that's ultimately what is going to happen if if we carry on um, letting letting things slide to an extent. Mm. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> difficult to know what what else to say really. Um, do you think there'll be appeals? Yeah, I, I, but yeah, I think it will turn into what it did last time, which is is a lot of a lot of politics scoring. Really, you have a couple of Russian, you know, some of the uh, the interviews that were out last time. I can't recall. I remember a couple of you know Russian Federation guys who were. Um, do, you, do you remember when Saddam went down with uh, Iraq and there was a Comic Ali guy who came on every day saying Iraq were winning the. <laughs> Winning the war, um, yeah. sending Americans back, and it, it, it was a bit like that. It was just like a guy saying, "No, we've never cheated. We never will cheat. Our athletes are all clean. We're great." <laughs> and um, you know, you think there's, there's, there's multiple fire tests against a lot of your athletes here. I'm not, I'm not sure you're great, and it's just all a propaganda thing. But then, uh, and then it just becomes a shame because uh, you know that's um, you know you think Russian people, their uh, their state TV and everything, and their media is largely controlled by the government. So, hmm. what messages they get will probably be very much uh, censored in a Russian-friendly way, and so. Um, it just it just creates more divides, doesn't it? Uh, and uh, not to get too political the day before the general election, Gareth, because um, we're not starting Brexit chat or uh, Trump chat or, or, or Vladimir Putin chat even. But um, it just yeah, it just it just robs Russian athletes of the chance of competing fairly and cleanly. Mm. And there's been plenty of good ones down the years. Um, and yet, uh, and so, but yeah, it just it just means more divisions created here when you open you know, something like athletics. Uh, you know, the Olympics—they're they're some of the great United sports events, aren't they? Yeah, and, and you know, without doubt, there will be athletes who will be clean. You've got to worry about all the coaching and all the kind of the everything behind the athlete. Um, if it's a epidemic within that goes that runs deep, then yeah, just just kind of. I think it's probably <laughs> probably too easy to say, but you think it's all corrupt and just uh, like I say before, just shut it down for ten years or so, and, and then let them back in. Yeah, and I mean, you, you look at someone like Mo Farah, who um, you know, one of our most celebrated athletes ever. Or you know, I was there in 2012 when he won his 5,000 meters, and one of the, the great sporting events I've ever been at. Um, mm. But then you know, his coach finally got banned this year, didn't he? Salazar. Mm. Um, after well, you know, uh, probably a decade's worth of allegations against mm-hmm. him, he finally got banned, and and it just seems to take so long. And um, and, and um, that was a, is... that was after a lot of um, Farah got very angry with journalists about why they were asking questions about his uh, his coach. I mean, I'm sure his his attitude on that's probably changed since. But um, yeah, it, yeah, that... there was always well, not there's always, but there's there's conspiracy theorists perhaps who would who would point to Farah as perhaps knowing more than he was letting on. Oh, for sure, and I think, um, yeah, I hope, uh, hope with all my heart that the Farrow himself wasn't dirty in any which way, and we're not suggesting he was. But mm. uh, it's the balance now. If you, you know, you'll get, you know, I'm sure there's a few Russian, there's some great Russian coaches out there, but then they're going to be tainted by association. How do you move on, and how, how can we as a sport uh, back them? And you know, someone like going back to cycling, Brailsford, with Team Sky, took such a, a harsh stance and said that he'd sack all people associated with drugs in the and then. Uh, plenty of questions got asked about Team Scry from Bradley Williams shipping bag to Froome's, you know, supposedly dodgy test. Um, mm. And um, you know, how do we how do we not stop a brain drain from the sport? But at the same time, you can't really endorse what they're doing, can you? you can't if a, if, an, if a coach uh, knows this is going on, then he's as complacent as athlete for mine. So mm. um, yeah, it just. It, it just means we're missing out on a lot of potential uh, very good athletes who could be making great stories and great coaches and, and building legacies for the future and instead we're like I could say just going to end up in a spat of war of words between Russian officials and government and Varda and then the you know the Athletic Association or whoever else and um, yeah it will seem a bit 
uh, I suppose it was just seem very token and, and, and wrong when they go to the European Championships and, and sweep up and win gold medals and how are you going to feel if you're that athlete if it's British athlete say who comes second to him and gets a silver um, alright they might get a gold medal in 10 years time but that's not the same moment is it as getting mm. across the line first you, you know you athletes are robbed of that and um, yeah plenty have been given them in recent years from moments but they won't get you don't get that moment of going back in the stadium and, and romping over the line first or, or jumping the highest or throwing the furthest no, although the, uh, the recent stadiums in Doha, perhaps uh, it doesn't really matter. Not much there. Uh... <laughs> doing a library. Yeah, no, not the best one. Uh, I hope they don't rush back to there. But yeah, we've got a, got a World Cup there, haven't we? So you go. That should be a joy. Um, uh-huh. if, if any of the population are left from uh, being slaved or any of the yeah the migrants <laughs> working on it are, uh, are left alive after being slave driven for ten years to try and build a bunch of empty stadiums. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll leave uh, we'll leave the Russians alone for a bit. Um, hopefully, we don't end up in a cold war before between now and um, our next podcast. Um, yeah. I mean, um, I don't know uh, how how our security systems are doing on our um, Facebook and uh, uh, Twitter pages. That kind of thing, as Gareth said earlier. But um, if the Russian bots come after us, Gareth, I'm not sure we we're going to stand the uh, we're stand the pain. Yeah. Um, well, you, uh, you, if you, if we disappear by next week, you know why. Yeah, and if um, yeah, if, if the if the page gets at least at least Russian bots getting after our page, we get us a few likes, I suppose. So every cloud, Gareth, every cloud. <laughs> yeah. There's no such thing as bad publicity, is there? No, there isn't, Gareth. No, there isn't. Um, all right, well, thanks for that. Uh, enjoyed that. Sorry, it's been a couple of weeks that we had been around. Uh, we plan to be around next week. So uh, yeah, we'll be back with uh, more sport to chat and argue and um, possibly even agreeing. Uh, yeah, a couple of agreements. I think uh, we'll have some uh, we'll have some more uh, Champions Cup rugby, won't we? There will be four rounds in by the next week. So I think we have to do a. Well, I suppose it'll be two thirds of review, two thirds of the way through review, review, two thirds of the way through through review. That's a hard to say quickly. That's an easy um, thing to say. Yeah, yeah apparently not. Uh, and let's see where we think that that's going. As uh, as English clubs don't seem to be doing too well in. Uh, yeah, salary cap divisions wait, but uh, <laughs> can continue to damage us um, or our one good club. And uh, yes, of course, more football there and the like beyond. Yeah, lovely. All right, thanks so much. See you Cheers. later. Cheers.